Thus have I heard, once the Blessed One was dwelling in Ajagriya at Vulture Peak Mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One entered the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called profound illumination. And at the same time, noble Abhuteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way, he saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature, formed. Have she a son or daughter of noble family trained who wishes to practice a profound Prajnaparamita? In this way, noble Avakateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O oh, Shariputra, the son or daughter of noble family, who wishes to practice profound Prajnaparamita, should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness, emptiness also is form, emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no information, no consciousness. No eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no appearance, no sound, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, no eye dhatu up to no mind dhatu, no dhatu of dharmas, no consciousness dhatu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, they abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable, true, complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the unequaled mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth, since there is no deception. Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Te Ata Om Gate Gate Paragate Parasangate Bodhisoha. Thus Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train and crown Prajnaparamita. Bodhisattva Mahasattva saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught and taught the gods will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra and Noble Avamteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world and its gods, humans, asuras, and gandharvas rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One.
So uh, today we will be doing a class on the introduction to Buddhist philosophy. <coughs> and as a basis for this explanation, we'll be using the beginning of the text called The Great Treatise on the Stage of the Path to Enlightenment by Lama Tsongkhapa, because there is no higher or better introduction to Buddhism than one, the one that we can find in that section. So the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment by uh, Lama Tsongkhapa is actually a commentary on the text called The Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment by Lord Atisha, uh, Sri Dipankara. So uh, the text, uh, the lamp for the path to enlightenment, uh, has within its composition all the meanings of Buddhist philosophy, the sutra and tantra, Hinayana, Mahayana, all of the different uh, um, uh, divisions of Buddhist philosophy are contained and condensed within that one text. So, not only um, do we find all of the pronouncements of Lord Buddha contained within the Lamp of the Path to Enlightenment, we also find all of the explanations of those pronouncements given by the Indian masters in, uh, in this text as well. Uh, so, we find the explanations given by the great master Nagarjuna and uh, the great master uh, Asanga. So we find explanations of the India masters also contained within this text. So what is the meaning of this? Well, what is the purpose for this? Uh, uh, and we have to look at uh, various different subjects. Uh, and first we'll look at the subject of the I. And I meaning the I that is in reference to you, he, she, and it. So first we'll begin with the I. So then we have this I. And then we um, uh, um, have this I has an ownership. Uh, and and we, we say uh, my mind. So the I has some sort of ownership over a mind. So then we say my mind. So, when consciousness is, uh, if we look at the word consciousness, we can divide consciousness into six different categories. Uh, eye consciousness, ear consciousness, nose consciousness, tongue consciousness, tactile consciousness, and mental consciousness. So there are six divisions of consciousness. So the eye consciousness apprehends such things as forms, uh, uh, 
as forms, and some examples of them being shapes and colors. So the eye consciousness apprehends forms. So the ear consciousness apprehends uh, sound. The nose consciousness apprehends smell. The tongue consciousness uh, apprehends taste. The, the uh, tactile consciousness or uh, body consciousness um, uh, uh, apprehends a feeling of touching or a, a tactile sensation. So these five consciousness are called physical consciousnesses. <coughs> So if there is a possessor of form, so if it is a possessor of form, uh, it is if it is a, an apprehender of a form, then it is necessarily called a physical sense power. Uh, so this is how we, uh, what qualifies those five as physical uh, 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 consciousnesses, rather, not sense powers, erase that, consciousnesses, so the uh, five physical consciousnesses, they're physical because they apprehend form. So in order for an eye to apprehend a form, there must be a form to apprehend, and, a, and an eye sense power. And then the desire, or the, uh, I guess the, the desire to apprehend a form must also be present. The, the uh, motivation to apprehend a form, or the desire to apprehend a form. So in dependence upon the, these uh, components, one can then uh, have his or her eye consciousness apprehend a form. So in order for there to be the apprehension of a sound, it's necessarily necessary to have um, the object of observation, which is a sound. It's necessary to have an ear consciousness. And then it's necessary to have an ear uh, um, sense power. Um, and then the desire or motivation to hear something. So all of those must be present in order to apprehend sound. So if we look at all of the five sense consciousnesses, we have similar the similar explanation. We have similar explanations as just given. So these um, consciousnesses are called physical consciousnesses because they are apprehenders of. of uh, um, uh, form possessors, so are, it's more, it's very literal to say they're, uh, uh, they, ap they apprehend form, so they're form possessors, therefore they are necessarily physical consciousnesses. So if one beats a drum, then that becomes the sound of the beating of a drum. Uh, so when the drum makes this sound, then we say that this is the sound of a drum. This is named as the sound of a drum. 
So why is this considered a physical consciousness? Because it's apprehending uh, a form possessor. So because it's apprehending a form possessor, it is necessarily a physical consciousness. Or a sense consciousness. So when one beats a drum, the sound of that is the sound of a drum. So these five uh, sense consciousnesses, or, or physical sense consciousnesses, they're sometimes called, these five are not very intelligent. They don't have, uh, uh, they're not, uh, they're not very clever, they're not very intelligent. So, if we look at the most uh, uh, intelligent, uh, and that's very literal, the most intelligent of, of among those five, we would say that the eye consciousness would be the most uh, intelligent. You could also say potent, or, or yeah, potent, um, because it's able to see things very, very far away. Then second, the ear consciousness. So the the taste con uh, tongue consciousness and tactile consciousness uh, and nose consciousness um, are not things that uh, uh, um, can apprehend uh, objects that are very far away or very far from it. So then the last is the mental consciousness, and the mental consciousness is the most clever, the most potent. So the mental consciousness is the most potent. Uh, the mental consciousness is the most intelligent or clever. Um, the mind, uh, mental consciousness or mind is defined as that which is in the nature of clear light and unsullied or unstained. Um, so the mental consciousness itself is faultless uh, it, uh, by nature. Uh, the mental consciousness possesses faults and possesses um, excellent qualities, but by nature it is faultless. Um, so uh, if we look at the two different categories um, of, uh, of the minds, uh, of what the mind contains, uh, we find the mind con contains faults. Um, and in the category of faults, we find the grasping at true establishment, attachment, hatred, pride, and all of the afflictions. Uh, so uh, those would be what we would consider faults uh, within the mental consciousness. Um, but again, the mind is defined by that which is in the nature of clear light and unsullied or unstained. Um, so uh, those faults are contained within it. So there are excellent qualities or good qualities and faults, the faults, the ones just mentioned. So 
If we look at the other category, the excellent qualities of the mind or good qualities of the mind, we find that um, uh, attitudes or uh, uh, minds of love and compassion um, and uh, uh, the wisdom, uh, the mind realizing emptiness, or the wisdom realizing the wisdom mind realizing emptiness. So uh, those. Um, those qualities fall under the category of excellent qualities of the mind, love, compassion, and, and the wisdom realizing emptiness. What does have to do with the child and the children of 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 the Pride. These are all mistaken views. These mis these are as mistaken um, as believing that a rope is a snake in a dark dark room. So these fall categorically under mistaken views. Um, and if, if we look at uh, uh, non-mistaken views um, or or um, stable views, uh, then we would look at the other attitudes: compassion and love and the wisdom realizing emptiness. So these are the uh, uh, these, that is the difference uh, between uh, those two categories of excellent qualities and faults. The faults are mistaken views, whereas the um, excellent qualities are stable views, or non-mistaken views. So how does this attachment, and how does this anger or hatred arise? Where does it come from? Um, it comes from uh, 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 a mistaken um, view relative to the eye. Um, the eye um, is nominally designated as I atop a basis or a collection. There are a collection of things that come together, such as the five aggregates come together, and the collection of the five elements coming together, and then this collection serves as a basis for de designation or for naming, um, and then is nominally designated as I. But there is no I that can be found that is exclusive of that collection that serves as a basis that the eye is designated or named upon. Um, so the mistaken view, or the uh, uh, mistake, is the belief that the eye has some exclusivity, or some sing singular separateness to it that is exclusive of that collection. What are my lava is, my is, my is, my so when we uh, um, investigate the eye, the eye is not my hand, the eye is not my leg, the eye is not my form, the eye is not my uh, the eye consciousness, the the Rija. Oh, okay. Uh, so the eye is not uh, form, feeling, uh, perception, uh, formation or consciousness. Uh, so the eye is not any of them among the five aggregates. 
Um, and the eye is not the hand, the eye is not the leg. So then we arrive at there must be no eye, there is no existing eye. So if we are to say there is no eye, then what? Then? But we, we can't say that I don't exist because I do exist. So uh, how do I how do I exist? Uh, how 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 do I abide? How does how is this? How is this? So, so how does the I exist? The I exists as a name that is imputed on a basis of designation, uh, which is a collection of the five aggregates and so forth, that then serve as that basis and then are named uh, as I. So, in, uh, an example we can use is uh, the example of the President of the United States. Uh, now we quite naturally say President Obama, uh, but President Obama, uh, there is no President Obama that exists exclusively of the process that took place for him to be named as President Obama. There was a, uh, a voting that took place, um, and then a swearing in and so forth, all of the uh, ceremonies around it, um, and then he is named as President Obama. So explaining the naming process or what uh, um, nominal designation is. So we nominally designate him now as President Obama. What the so everyone here has a name. For instance, my name is Jeff. Everyone has a name. So this name is then imputed upon a collection. So nominally designated upon a collection which serves as its basis, uh, to be a basis of imputation. So. Uh, the, the name is placed on the, the basis. So there is existence uh, uh, in the name, but there is no so there is existence in a name that is placed on a basis um, uh, uh, which serves as a, um, a something to designate on, and here being five aggregates in a collection. Um, but there is no true established, uh, truly established um, uh, name that is separate from that basis. Um, so uh, there is no truly established um, uh, name uh, that is separate or independent from the designation. <laughs> Mm -hmm. 
So believing that there um, is some sort of exclusive uh, um, I uh, that is separate from this collection or basis of designation um, is the same uh, sort of mistaken view as believing, once again, that a rope um, is a snake. So, independence upon this belief that there is an inherently existent I that is separate from this collection um, that it is named on, um, we then uh, engage in um, um, negative um, uh, um, activities. We engage in negative activities. Uh, when we see something that uh, we find attractive or like, we become attached to it. When we see something that we uh, don't like, uh, we become uh, angry towards it or dislike it. Uh, if we see something unattractive, uh, we dislike it uh, or become angry with it. So in dependence upon this mistaken view, we then um, 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 act um, the yajur surlang, the magasa vilapsar, yinei tamagari sugre. So, uh, at the, the, the root of this, we find the gasa da magas. Like, no like. Less of. Gasa is like. Less of. Magas is no like. You don't want, you don't want. Then, uh. What the you don't want, then, eh? Okay. Uh -huh. Okay, so um, we find um, behind this uh, um, uh, reaction uh, to the different objects that we find attractive and unattractive, uh, and so we like it or become attached to it if it's attracted, we become angry towards it if it's unattractive or dislike it. Um, uh, at, the, at the root of that, we find the grasping at true establishment. We find the, the um, ignorance. Uh, ignorance about the nature and then ignorance about karma and its results. So ignorance we find at the root of uh, um, this process uh, of becoming attached and angry and so forth based on the, the different uh, types of objects, those unattractive or those attractive. So in dependence upon becoming uh, uh, attached or angry, we then, uh, in dependence upon the afflictions, we then engage in non-virtuous activity. We engage in non-virtuous activity of our body, uh, such as the three uh, um, listed in the ten non-virtues of killing, stealing, and sexual misconduct. Uh, we engage in the non-virtue of our speech, uh, such as the four listed within the ten non-virtues of uh, lying, uh, divisive speech, harsh, harsh words, and gossip. So in dependence upon um, uh, this uh, um, ignorance, we then uh, engage in action. 
or and and in this case, we're ex, we're explaining negative action. So in dependence upon uh, attachment, hatred, pride, we then engage in action of some sort, uh, and then we engage in non-virtuous action. So uh, we look at the ten non-virtues, we, we can just use uh, one of them, uh, we'll use the first non-virtuous activity of the body, killing, and we see that because killing um, hurts oneself and others, it is necessarily listed as uh, a misdeed or a non-virtue. So, um, when looking at non-virtue, and then specifically at uh, the non-virtue of killing, um, there is what's called the um, complete karma. Um, if three specific factors um, are present uh, um, uh, when a non-virtue is being engaged in, um, if one has the uh, intent, recognizes that there is a basis to, of something to kill, or has the intent or motivation to kill it, mixed in with some sort of affliction. Um, that's one. And then the action of killing takes place, that's two. And then there is a rejoicing that takes place, and that's three. Then there is a complete karma that's been created, and it, um, and it uh, being complete, uh, creates the highest degree of experience um, of suffering. Um, so every uh, action um, has those, uh, those three components, um, and if, uh, if all three of them are there, then this becomes the, the highest degree of non-virtue, and this produces rebirth into the hell realm. Um, if only two of those uh, components are present, uh, just mentioned, then this produces rebirth into the hungry ghost realm. And if only one of those components is present, then that produces rebirth into the uh, uh, animal realm. So every action, uh, and karma is just a Sanskrit word, and it's translated into English as action. So when I say action, I'm just saying karma. So every action um, has uh, three degrees of experience uh, related to the degree um, um, of completion. So uh, all the other um, 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 non-virtues uh, have these three degrees as well. And so all the ten non-virtues have the same uh, um, uh, uh, the same formula. All all the ten non-virtues have the same formula relative to the degrees of experience. And then uh, the opposite are the ten virtues. Uh, then there are ten virtues, and uh, we'll use uh, um, just the one uh, example again. Translators know virtues are the uh, abandonment of the non-virtues. So, if we look at the first uh, virtue, 
the ethics, which is an abandonment of killing. Um, the virtuous activity also has degrees of experience related to the degrees of, of, of completion of the action. So um, if one, for instance, uh, sees a bug um, and then uh, has the motivation um, mixed with some sort of virtuous attitude not to kill it, um, and then successfully engages in the uh, um, act of abstaining from killing the bug, um, and then rejoices in abstaining from killing the bug, then uh, a complete virtuous karma has taken place at the high of the highest degree because all three components are present. Uh, uh, all three components are present. What the Sujo Mobi Gawadal Chinichu, so the uh, ethics, which is an abandonment of killing, um, has those three degrees, um, and uh, if all th uh, three are present, then the greatest level of virtue um, is created, and this produces experience of rebirth into the God's realm. If uh, two are present, then this is a medium level of virtue, and that produces rebirth in the demigod's realm, and if only one is present, then this produces a, a rebirth into the human's realm. So, uh, the virtuous action also has these degree, the, this uh, degree um, of experience related to the degree of completion. So it seems that all religious traditions, such as uh, uh, Christian, Hindu, the, uh, uh, Judaism, have this. Um, teaching that if one engages in virtue, then uh, he or she will be uh, able to go to heaven or the, 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 God's, um, the God's land, um, or if uh, uh, one engages in non-virtue or misdeeds, then he or she will uh, <coughs> suffer hell rebirth. So we find these um, common themes in uh, other religious traditions as well. So the Buddha definitely asserted that the causes of the lower realm rebirth are misdeeds. But the Buddha and uh, that one and Buddha stated that one must experience those results. But Buddha also stated that one can purify his or her misdeeds, um, and that all um, uh, forms of negativity uh, can can be purified uh, by acknowledgement of one's downfalls. What the so by um, engaging in an acknowledgement of one's downfalls, utilizing um, a, a text such as the uh, uh, 30, uh, I'm sorry, let me reverse. Uh, it, by acknowledging one's downfalls, um, by utilizing a practice such as the four opponent powers, um, one is able to purify um, any non-virtue that he or she has engaged in. There is no uh, non-virtue that cannot be purified. What By meditating upon emptiness, one purifies misdeeds. If one uh, um, does mantra recitation, such as the mantra 
of uh, Buddha Shakyamuni or mantras of any among the four classes of Tantra, uh, these produce purification. If one engages in deity uh, uh, meditation of the front uh, and self-generation forms, uh, then this also serves to purify misdeeds. One uh, engages in recitation of sutras such as the 35 Buddhas of Confession, uh, then one can purify his or her misdeeds. So, uh, and then it says in the uh, commentaries that if one recites just one line um, of the 35 Buddhas of Confession, and that's the first uh, um, homage that's paid to Lord Shakyamuni Buddha, the conqueror, head of the Shakya plan, clan, uh, to the peerless conqueror, I pay homage. Um, uh, the, the first line that pays homage to Buddha Shakyamuni in the 35 Buddhas of Confession is said to um, purify <clears throat> 10 million eons of previously accumulated negative karma. Um, so we see here the power of the purification of just this one, of reciting just this one, uh, one line. What that? So the Confession of Downfalls, uh, which is called also the 35 Buddhas of Confession and also called the Sutra of the Three Heaps, um, uh, um, contains uh, 35 different Buddha's names. Um, but one can also uh, just do the short name mantras um, of the Buddhas, such as Teata Om Muni Muni Maha Muni Soha, the name mantra of Buddha Shakyamuni, Om Mani Pemi Hum, the mantra of Chen Rezig, Om Tari Tu Tari Tu Soha, the mantra of Tara, Teata Om Bekansi Bekansi Maha Bekansi Ranza Samagati Soha, the mantra of Medicine Buddha. Within the text, our book here, we have many different mantras that are written out. So by um, engaging in this recitation of those, uh, 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 misdeeds can be purified. Mm -hmm. So if one were to ask where, who has been able to purify these misdeeds, where is there an example of a being who has done uh, such a task? Um, and we find uh, an example in the Nagarjuna's text called The Letter to a Friend, um, where there is an example of a, a being named Angumala, who received teachings from an, a, a bad spiritual master or a, a wrong teacher um, and was uh, told to and did uh, kill, engage in killing. And he killed 999 people um, and then uh, met with Lord Buddha. And uh, by changing his ways and by applying the four opponent powers um, as prescribed by Lord Buddha, 
he didn't have to experience the uh, results of that the horrific killing he had engaged in. He was actually able to achieve the state of faux destroyer in that very lifetime. So, so if uh, Angumala, if if in this case of Angumala, a purification took place, then we can't say that uh, we are unable to purify our misdeeds. So the way purification takes place is gradually. For instance, if we apply, apply an opponent such as a meditation upon emptiness, or we engage in mantric recitation, and then within our mental consciousness we have the seeds or imprints of uh, the karma um, of killing, or we have the, the seeds of, of um, uh, an action where we kill, uh, or an imprint of an action when we kill uh, at some time. Um, and just a translator's note, that can be from beginningless time. So if we, we have an action within our, an imprint within our consciousness that is from an action when we killed. And uh, for instance, if that imprint has the potential to leave us in the hell realm rebirth for a hundred years, by engaging in uh, um, the emptiness meditation or mantric recitation, maybe we can uh, shorten it to 80, and then maybe to 60, then maybe to 20, in a gradual fashion. So this is the way that uh, we purify our imprints, our misdeeds. It happens very gradually, and it makes those imprints lose their potency and their ability to give rise to those sorts of experiences. So it's a gradual fat process of purification of those imprints. So, how do we know if we have purified our misdeeds? Um, and it is said that we uh, can know that we've purified them by analyzing our dreams. Um, and this dream analysis can only be done if one is uh, physically healthy, uh, has no illness whatsoever, um, and mentally uh, well as well. So there can't be any mental or physical illness present. Um, and if there are not either of those uh, present, uh, then one can analyze his or her dreams. And the, it's the third um, part of the dream state that we analyze. The, uh, uh, not the first part when we first fall asleep and dream, not the immediate um, uh, middle of the dream period throughout our sleep, not the second period. It's that third period of our dream state, um, the last period of our dreaming before we get up, 
that uh, we analyze. And, and if we have uh, dreams of eating very good food or drinking uh, very uh, nice things or climbing a mountain or being washed or entering a, a temple or seeing uh, monks and nuns um, all, or, or just waking up and having a generally good feeling, um, having a, a good pleasant feeling upon awakening um, also is a sign. So these are all signs um, that a purification of some sort of misdeed has taken place. So if a snake were to bite us, then we would have been poisoned. Uh, so we would have, uh, Rimchi said, the poison disease. Uh, but we, we would have been poisoned if a snake bites us. But if we are to apply a serum uh, by injection, um, then the poison's ability to harm us is lessened and lessened and then eventually eradicated. So the four opponent powers are similar to this serum or to this medicine. Our mind has so many abilities. The human, uh, um, a human basis um, has so many abilities, uh, and the human mind has so many abilities. So, uh, if we look at non-religious subjects, uh, we can see the ability uh, of the human mind. Uh, we can see the accomplishments in the scientific community. Uh, we see that planes have been made, and uh, medicine has been made, and uh, roads have been made, and schools have been made. Rimche gave one other example of scientific accomplishments, I forgot. But, uh, all of these things are because of the ability um, of the human mind. So then if we look at religion or dharma, uh, the human mind has the same types of abilities. Uh, if we uh, wish to have a higher realm rebirth in our next life, as we've been able to experience in this life, uh, because at this um, point we are human beings, uh, we abide in the higher realms, if we wish to again have experiences in our next life, the human mind has the ability to find the method uh, in, or the pathway which will lead us to a higher realm rebirth. So our mind has the ability to um, ascertain the path which leads to the higher realm rebirth. Um, if we want to get rid of all of our 
afflictions um, and achieve the state of liberation, uh, which is uh, um, a complete freedom from cyclic existence altogether, then the mind has the abil ability to um, ascertain <coughs> or to understand the path which leads to nirvana or the path which leads to liberation. And then, uh, if we look at the, the, the highest form or the ultimate realization, uh, uh, if we look at the great vehicle um, goal, um, then the mind has the ability to achieve that as well. Um, the mind has the ability to find out what the pathway uh, to the um, uh, abandonment of the imprints of the affliction <coughs> and the obstructions to omniscience so that one can achieve the state of complete Buddhahood. Um, so the mind, uh, the human mind has the ability to understand or learn the pathway which leads to complete Buddhahood, which is, an ex uh, which is uh, when one extinguishes or abandons all of the um, imprints of the afflictions um, as well. And just translators note, the, the medium level of nirvana or liberation is just an abandonment of the afflictions themselves, not the imprints of the afflictions. So that's the, great, that's the difference in the great vehicle. <coughs> oh, so in the Christian tradition, we find this goal of achieving a, um, a heaven state, a state, uh, or uh, <coughs> achieving a rebirth in heaven, or uh, achieving, a, uh, uh, yeah, achieving a rebirth in heaven. Um, and in the Christian tradition, it's it's independence upon the mind that one is able to achieve that uh, um, uh, heavenly state. So one uses the mind in the Christian tradition. We see the mind's ability as well there, and its necessity to achieve uh, a rebirth into heaven. What the So the human mind is so incredibly uh, um, able. So the, the human mind has the ability to know all phenomena or cognize all phenomena, uh, the state of omniscience, uh, and the human mind has the ability to um, purify all of the all of its misdeeds. Uh, so we can say that this human mind is, is very able, uh, um, has so many abilities. So it's not just human beings that possess a mind. All sen sentient beings possess a mind, and all sentient beings possess a mind that is not truly established. What does so because all sentient beings possess a mental consciousness, we say they necessarily possess Buddha potential or Buddha nature. So we say that slowly in the future, uh, uh, through practice, all sentient beings will achieve the state of Buddhahood. So, um, Buddha, we say that all sentient beings possess Buddha nature or Buddha potential because Buddha was previously, uh, Shakyamuni Buddha, the historical Buddha, was previously exactly like us. Uh, he had suffering, he had afflictions, 
but he recognized the lack of true establishment of his mind and then as a result was able to achieve the higher births in the higher realms and then liberation and then ultimately Buddhahood as a result of that practice. So if Buddha Shakyamuni, through meditating upon the lack of true establishment of the mind, coupled with the mind that aspires to enlightenment, was able to achieve Buddhahood, then we also, uh, through reliance or meditation upon uh, the lack of true establishment of our mind, coupled with the mind that aspires to enlightenment, uh, can achieve Buddhahood as well. So we have that same exact potential. So in order to um, uh, establish that there is a past life that the I was involved with, uh, and a future life that the eye will be involved with, uh, there has to be a, a great amount of explanation um, relative to these things. Is there a previous or is, will there be a future? So there's a great amount of discussion that, or explanation necessary to, uh, that is necessary to take place. So all sentient beings have a previous uh, birth. How can we say that we, we ourselves have a previous life? We can state this because we have consciousness. So if we ask where did this consciousness come from, uh, and if we then answer it came from our parents' consciousness, uh, then our consciousness would necessarily have to be our parents' consciousness, and we know that's not the case. So if the parent's consciousness were the same as the child's consciousness, then if the parent was a scholar uh, relative to something, then the child would necessarily automatically be a scholar as well, if the consciousness was the same. But we can't say that that's the case, so it's not the consciousness of the parents. It's different. So if we were asked where did this consciousness come um, after the uh, union um, of the substances uh, took place, uh, where did this consciousness <coughs> come from? Um, translators note Buddhism states that the moment of conception is consciousness. So where did this consciousness come from? Um, and the answer would be that that consciousness at the moment of conception came from the previous uh, consciousness in the intermediate state. Uh, so where did the intermediate state consciousness come from? Came from the previous life's consciousness. So we say then it came from before, 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 and that's why we uh, state that there is beginningless uh, birth. There's beginningless birth. 
So how can we say that there's a previous consciousness because there's a present consciousness? So this is a, how we would use uh, correct signs, um, signs and reasoning within Buddhism. We would state, because there's consciousness, there must be a previous consciousness. So if we can arrive at the um, belief that there is a beginningless birth, um, then we arrive. Then we can arrive at the um, belief that all sentient beings are our mother. So as Buddhists, we do state that all sentient beings are our mother. So because of the fact that we assert that there's beginningless rebirth, then we necessarily assert that all sentient beings are our mother. If we were to assert a beginning to birth, then we would not be able, if we were to be able to posit a beginning to birth, then we would not be able to state that all sentient beings have been our mother. Our, it's actually all sentient beings are our mother. So we have to see what science says about previous lives and how they um, use reason and analysis. But this is how Buddhism uses reason and analysis to posit the existence of uh, previous lives. So one, one sign that there is a previous birth is that there is consciousness. So because there is consciousness, there is previous birth. So the next um, sign is that we have a breathing in and out. Um, and because there is a breathing in and out, there must be a, uh, this is a sign of a previous uh, um, birth or previous life because of the, uh, the, the breath that comes in and out. So if there is no future life, then there is no need to even talk about this lower realm suffering. But there is a future life. So when we look at the process of going to a future life, it's similar to uh, leaving one old hotel and moving into a new hotel. We get rid of this old body and then we take on a new one. So at the time of death, when someone is old, at an old age, at the time of death, there is consciousness. Um, so we can say that at the time of death, uh, that consciousness um, uh, will, ne uh, will necessarily take on rebirth um, because it is a a, no, a state of knowing which possesses attachment. Um, so because there is a possession of attachment in the state of knowing at the time of death, um, there is necessarily rebirth. So 
ਜਨਰਲ ਲਿਆ ਕੇ ਲਾਦ ਕਰੇ ਜਨਾ ਫੋਨ ਲਾ so uh, if uh, so when one t- and takes on future life um, then there are uh, six uh, different realms uh, two uh, one lower realm and one uh, the lo- there are six different realms the lower realms are three and the higher realms are three um, and um, in the lower realms of the hell hungry ghost and animal uh, one uh, has to experience a great amount of suffering um, so the higher realms uh, the great amount of suffering comparatively um, isn't present um, so how does one um, then experience or um, achieve rebirth into the higher realms of the anim- uh, higher realms of the gods humans and demigods um, there are three um, uh, practices that one must engage in in order to achieve this higher realm rebirth. Um, and the three practices are refuge in the three jewels, the Buddha jewel, the Dharma jewel, and the Sangha jewel, engaging in the practice of an abandonment uh, of the ten non-virtuous activities, or engaging in an ethics, which is an abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities, and then acknowledgement of one's downfalls or confession of one's downfalls. So by engaging in these three, uh, one is able to achieve rebirth into the higher higher realms. The Jibusum, So this, uh, the path which leads to the higher realms um, is also called the teachings that are shared in common beings of small capacity. So it's very similar to the Christian tradition where there is a statement that if one goes for refuge to Jesus, one goes for refuge to God, then he or she will be born in heaven. Um, so this is a very similar idea uh, uh, or similar pathway. So, um, at this point, or at at this present time, we are human beings. Um, uh, And we know that uh, we are humans and are in the higher realms, but still have to experience various forms of suffering. We have to experience the suffering of birth, the suffering of aging, the suffering of sickness, the suffering of death. We have to experience the suffering of change, the suffering of suffering, and then pervasive compounded suffering. So all of these sufferings are uh, we have to experience. So if one wishes to get rid of the more subtle uh, uh, 
So uh, if we want to get rid of the more subtle types of suffering that we find even in the higher realms, uh, and we could call the uh, sufferings of the lower realms the more coarse sufferings, uh, if we want to get rid of the more subtle types of suffering um, and achieve the state of liberation, uh, or freedom from cyclic existence altogether, it's also in Sanskrit called uh, nirvana, um, then we have to engage in uh, practice of the three highest higher trainings. The highest higher training in ethics, highest higher training in concentration, which utilizes as its object of observation emptiness, and the highest higher training in wisdom, or special insight, which utilizes as its object of observation emptiness. So, through reliance upon those practices of the three highest higher trainings, we can get rid of those more subtle sufferings and abandon cyclic existence altogether. And those teachings are called the teachings that are shared in common with beings of medium capacity. So, uh, um, one can only have, one will only be reborn into the, these realms if the karma is present, uh, 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 if the, the, the karma, the Yanjasuna, Manupa? Okay, decent. Yeah. So, uh, rebirth into the gods, humans, um, and demigods realms is only possible if the karma um, is present and potent enough to allow one to experience that. Um, uh, um, in the same way that if one shoots an arrow into the sky, sooner or later it loses its power and it definitely falls. In the same way, if the, the karma um, that's present no longer has the potency to um, um, uh, result in the experience of rebirth in those higher realms, then those experiences of those rebirths can't take place. If the, the karma's not there to make it happen. It's been extinguished. So the, the three higher trainings uh, are something that we find in, in common to all religious traditions. Uh, we find um, higher train, these three higher trainings in all religious traditions. So one thing that separates the uh, higher trainings in the Buddhist tradition is the objects of observation and renunciation. So, um, uh, something that is ex the that's why translators note that's why I use the word highest higher training uh, because in the Buddhist tradition, uh, the object of observation of the wisdom, which is uh, emptiness. So the wisdom, which the highest higher training, wisdom which utilizes as its object of obs observation emptiness is exclusive to the Buddhist tradition, and the single-pointed concentration, uh, or the highest higher training in single-pointed concentration, which utilizes as its object of observation, emptiness is exclusive to the Buddhist tradition. So, firstly, those two objects of observation uh, of the concentration and wisdom are uh, not found in other traditions. And then the ethics is a special kind of ethics that's coupled with the desire to definitely emerge, or renunciation. So it's a uh, uh, ethics of renunciation, it's called sometimes, uh, because this the ethical behavior is coupled with a uh, desire to definitely emerge or definitely get out. So those uh, three qualities within the trainings are exclusive to the Buddhist tradition.
<coughs> so in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, there's many uh, statements that there's no I, uh, and then negate um, uh, no non-one, oh, no experiences. Uh, so there's ne uh, uh, um, uh, a negation of I and experience, um, but here the negation isn't of the existence of this I or experience. The negation is of the, the true establishment of the objects mentioned. So there isn't a negation of existence. There's a negation of true establishment or true true existence. What the Shiva so, by um, meditating um, uh, or, or by gaining a single pointed concentration with its object of observation that I am not truly established, and gaining a wisdom which recognizes that I am not truly established, um, and that coupled with the ethics of renunciation uh, is able to cut uh, the the root of cyclic existence, which is the grasping at true establishment. So, uh, by getting rid of the grasping at true establishment, one is able to achieve the state of nirvana or liberation. So, the belief that I have some inherent existence from my own side, or inherent establishment from my own side, is what we say is the root of cyclic existence, or koatsawa. And so it's the uh, um, uh, the root of suffering. And Rinpoche mentioned before uh, it uh, caught the grasping at true establishment causes us to circle again and again within cyclic existence. So Rinpoche, the, this this process of again and again and again, literally looking at the Tibetan Rinpoche said, um, the grasping at true establishment is what makes that happen. So by recognizing that I am not a truly truly established, this serves as an opponent to the mistaken view that believes that I am truly established in the same way that the realization that a rope is a rope and not a snake serves to get rid of the mistaken view that a rope is a snake. Similar to this. So, so through dependence upon the three highest higher trainings, one is able to uh, rid him or herself of the afflictions and achieve the state of liberation or nirvana, but unable to get rid of the um, imprints of the afflictions. So uh, one can achieve the state of liberation but not get rid of, uh, through just the process of the three highest higher trainings, uh, the imprints of those afflictions. So this uh, um, imprints of the afflictions, which are called the obstructions to omniscience, keep one from being able to cognize all phenomena, or to know all phenomena. So we see uh, the cases of Shariputra and Mugiputra, uh, or I think Shariputra and Ananda, um, who were uh, foe destroyers but not complete Buddhas.
so if one uh, generates the realization found in the teaching shared in common with beings of medium capacity of renunciation or the desire to definitely emerge um, and then turns his or her attention towards other sentient beings and, and then has the wish that all sentient beings have happiness and the causes of happiness, then has the wish that all sentient beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering, uh, uh, which are two meditations, one on love and one on compassion, um, then one can slowly get rid of the uh, obstructions to omniscience. <laughs> So through meditation uh, on the desire to definitely emerge um, and then the mind that aspires to enlightenment coupled with uh, uh, the wisdom realizing emptiness, one can get rid of or abandon the uh, uh, obstructions to omniscience. <laughs> So then, uh, if one arrives, um, um, is Shamba so if one then can uh, have this desire to definitely emerge that's then coupled with bodhicitta um, uh, or the uh, use the English word I'm sorry uh, the desire to definitely emerge coupled with the mind that aspires to enlightenment um, and the wisdom realizing emptiness if one has these um, uh, together then one is an appropriate uh, um, uh, uh, vessel or appropriate person to engage in the tantric practices. So if one has this basis, uh, then the tantric practices are appropriate. One can engage in the practices of the action tantra, performance tantra, yogic tantra, and highest yogic tantra. One can engage then in the practices of Dzogchen and Mahamudra and the union of bliss and emptiness. Um, Mahamudra, Dzogchen, the union of bliss and emptiness. In the highest yoga tantra, uh, so uh, if uh, all all of these can be practices with this these basis uh, of love uh, of uh, renunciation, the mind that aspires to enlightenment and the wisdom realizing emptiness. So then, uh, um, within Shakyamuni's Buddhist teachings, we find. Uh, uh, the, the, all of the different teachings of the uh, lesser vehicle and the great vehicle and the sutra and tantra. So in case I forgot from before, the last path where one desires to become a Buddha is the teachings for beings of great capacity. 
So if we were to um, abbreviate all of the Buddhist teachings, as just mentioned, Sutra, Tantra, Hinayana, Mahayana, we would be able to abbreviate them into those three categories, the teaching shared in common with beings of small capacity, teaching shared in common with beings of medium capacity, and then teachings for beings of, of great capacity. And then uh, uh, within the teachings for being of great capacity, then we find the teachings uh, of the perfection vehicle up to the highest yoga tantric teachings. So in the small scope and the medium scope, we see that uh, attachment and hatred are harmful to the mind. They become mind harmers. The bodhisattvas and the tantric practitioners' minds are much more able. So they're able to uh, utilize attachment as a path. Um, it's almost the word in Tibet is like a friend. It uh, becomes a friend to the path of a bodhisattva. Attachment does. So they're able to in, engage in attachment and use it as a path, uh, um, and uh, hate, anger, and utilize it as a path, and the delusion, and utilize it as a path. So all of these can be converted into uh, um, uh, uh, attitudes which are friendly to the path. Uh, that's the best way I can say it. They, they are helpful on the path, friendly to the path. Uh, and for higher beings, for more accomplished, real higher beings. So if there's a, only a little bit of fire, uh, it's very easy to blow blow it out. Uh, but in cases where there's a large amount of fire, such as in California, when forest fires take place, the wind actually increases the fire. So for the Bodhisattva and the Tantric Adept, or the Tantric Practitioner, uh, he or she um, is able uh, from his or her love and compassion to engage in the practices of deity yoga and then actually utilize these neg seemingly negative um, uh, attitudes such as attachment, um, hatred, and delusion as a path. So uh, those uh, uh, beings uh, uh, who are, 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 are greater beings are able to utilize these out of their love and compassion as a path. I myself don't understand very much of this very well, but I uh, uh, try to explain um, what the intent of the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment uh, was. So the great treatise on the stage of the Path to Enlightenment is commentary uh, on the Lamp for the Path to Enlightenment. So first, um, in the uh, great treatise, we find the uh, Okay. Uh, the, uh, uh, so the the beginning of the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment um, begins with an expression of worship. Uh, so the the first 
uh, first section is the expression of worship, juju. So uh, now I thought uh, maybe if folks want to have any a question and answer session, uh, uh, now would be time for that. So does anybody have any questions? Uh, if you have questions, uh, please ask them, Rinpoche said. You'll have to speak up too, because the air conditioner I can't hear. So what what's uh, what are the correct signs that an individual understands karma and its results? Because first we were talking about faith and the, the way that one gains faith in, in Buddha by recognizing the teachings, um, and then the, we went to cause and effect. Now is the question. How does one, as a practitioner, know if he or she has uh, understood karma and its results? Or I just want to make sure your question gets answered. You know? Yeah, um, not really. How do the So when we 
look at uh, cause and effect, there is sudden <coughs> cause and effect and coarse cause and effect. Uh, and the one way that uh, the die on die goes. <coughs> uh, so the, there are some trees, if we look at uh, cause and effect and we look at trees, for instance, there are uh, trees that produce medicinal fruits, uh, peach trees, and uh, things that are good for you. And then there are trees that produce poisonous, uh, uh, poisonous fruits. So we see that, uh, that when we look at uh, cause and effect, uh, we see that there are some trees that produce medicinal fruits and some trees that produce poisonous fruits. So we see that we have experiences, some experiences of suffering, some experiences of happiness, and then we have uh, experiences of equanimity or neutral experiences. So we have all of these experiences um, and all, all of these experiences are results. So because they are results, they necessarily depend upon causes. Um, just as in, in the case of the uh, tree, the, the medicinal tree produces medicinal fruit, uh, the poisonous tree produces poisonous fruit. Um, so uh, if we look at the tree, we see that uh, the different results are caused by uh, different concordant causes of some sort. So then when we look at the experiences of happiness, suffering, and equanimity, uh, because they're results, they must have causes. And the causes of suffering are uh, uh, misdeeds or non-virtue, and the causes of happiness are virtue. Then in Kongi Triwa, then Kandre Natsuhako do Megewa, then Dumiel Yongure. Gewa, the Dewa Yongure. Then Kandre Hakobudu. Sanjay Kemalena? So we can see uh, if we, I don't assert that Buddha stated this, we can see in our practical world uh, the law of cause and effect relative to our behavior. If we engage in good actions, uh, then we have good results. If we engage in negative actions, we could even end up in jail or in prison. So we can see at a real conventional level how um, ethics plays a, a role in our lives if we aren't uh, looking at it um, from the perspective of Buddha stated this. If we're not going to use that reason, uh, we can look at just action and consequences in our con you know, conventional everyday lives and see the experiences that we have from them. What the Najib so the Buddha taught something that was similar to law. 
the Buddha stated that if you engage in uh, non-virtuous activity, then one will have to abide in the uh, uh, lower realm jail as a result of uh, his or her actions. So um, we can look at it um, in, in the same way that we look at the laws that um, you know, uh, we have to abide by um, uh, here. Um, if we don't abide by the laws prescribed by the uh, Buddha, then we will have to experience the negative consequences of not doing so. What the Okay, so in, in, the, in this life, for instance, if we engage in some sort of good, good works or good activities, we can see how as a result of our good works or good activities, we have good results later on. Um, so we see the connection between uh, positive behavior um, even in just this lifespan and the results that happen later on. So if, if, uh, if, this, uh, if in this life uh, we are able um, uh, to uh, live correctly, then in the future life we will um, have a good experience. So if we uh, engage in negativity during this life, then the future life will have negative consequences. It's similar to this, no. So we have to also, if we look around the room, we can see that everyone in the room looks different. Everyone has a little bit of a different color, everyone has a little bit of a different shape, uh, a little bit of a uh, different body. Um, so everyone has all of these different features because there are so many different causes for the results of these different features. So we can also say, see um, um, uh, how cause and effect works just by looking around the room and seeing the different qualities that each of us possess um, that are caused by something different because the results are varied. Sometimes we don't want to have any type of suffering and then suddenly it arises and we didn't want it. We don't have any uh, independence or say in our becoming old. We're going to become old. So where did that come from? It came from the karma and the... Uh, it came... It, it, it arose because it's under the influence of karma and afflictions. So it arose from the influence of karma and afflictions. So this is a little difficult, but you can slowly think about these things. Because uh, 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 doubt has arisen. He said uh, perhaps you have a, some doubt that's arisen. Everybody wants to kill bugs. Every I teaching. <laughs> the last three teachings. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, it's an example of, uh, of doing bad for a greater good. Is it bad. a greater good? Well, if you're afraid that your child might get mad with a virus or you know, what is it to 
de conchua de, de mosquito. で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、で、
this also. Right. I can't just say, Sansa, Diva Yongre, Yene, Gewa Yongre, Nietzsche. Gewa Yongre, Diva said that virtue does arise, non virtue does arise, but if we don't acknowledge our downfalls, then we will suffer. Certainly. If one has not acknowledged some sort of misdeed or downfall, it does not matter how many eons pass. The result or the experience of that misdeed will will happen. One will experience uh, the result of that misdeed, even if it's eons later. There are three different kinds of karma. There's karma that uh, produces experience in this life, karma that uh, produces experience in the immediate next life, and then karma that ex produces experience in many, many lifetimes later. Um, so there's three different types of karma. Uh, so uh, if, there, if that's it, then it looks like we're out of time. Uh, if anyone, as long as there aren't any other pressing questions. Uh, uh, so, oh, so tomorrow, uh, Aga um, uh, will be coming. He's also uh, Geshe Aga. I for keep forgetting, he's a Geshe now. Geshe Aga will be uh, coming. He's from Drepungo Kamsen uh, uh, Rinpoche's uh, uh, college in Drepung. And anybody who was fortunate enough to receive teachings from Geshe Lopsan Gompo, who's actually his nephew, uh, he was a teacher who was here and has actually passed away, uh, um, passed on, but uh, he's. His nephew is now a Geshe, and a great scholar, an amazing debater. Uh, he's here, come to do the blessing of the statue. We have got a large Buddha Shakyamuni statue from India. All the parts have arrived, and all of the blessing materials have arrived. And anybody who doesn't know, and, uh, all these statues have to be full. If anyone uh, has a statue, it shouldn't be empty. So if it's hollow, they are supposed to be filled in a ritualistic way with various different things. Um, and you roll prayers up around incense sticks, and there's millions and millions of prayers inside, even that statue right there, millions rolled up on incense sticks inside, and also various precious items. Um, people can bring anything precious, and it all goes inside. And then after it, it's sealed on the bottom, and then a blessing ceremony takes place with the five Buddha families and so forth. So it's a very large uh, ceremony, and we'll eventually then have a very large Buddha Shakyamuni uh, it, it's a beautiful uh, statue here. All the students and the uh, <coughs> uh, people connected to the center uh, will have purification of misdeeds take place through this, this ritual. So maybe everyone in Middletown will have a purification misdeeds and America. All sentient beings. Oh, Geshe Aga. Okay. And if you want to ask uh, uh, 
Geshe La, Geshe Aga questions, and he'll be able to um, answer them for you. I think he speaks a little English now, too. too. Aga. Yeah, he can't translate, but he can speak uh, English a little bit. He's coming tomorrow. So. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, yes. So, without uh, further ado, how long is August staying for? Oh, great. So we'll uh, do the concluding prayers in the first book, back to the section, tabbed off, uh, beginning with the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer and ending with the long life prayer for Kensa Geshe Wanda. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this is a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Losandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In the heavenly realm of Tibet, surrounded by a chain of snow mountains, source of all happiness and health, may his life be secure for hundreds of Kalpas. I pray that long time the precious Kenso Wandak, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts, with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. 